want to tell you about our newest product, Schaefer's Playbook of the Day. It's a VIP access-only feature with members capped at 100 to start. as a live Q&A every Monday at 8.45 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear the trading experts take on the current market, hot sectors, a primer on specific usage of Schaefer's proprietary trading analyses, a deep dive into an equity at the top of our watch list for the week, um, and a complete question and answer session. Awesome stuff all around. Subscribers will also have access to a recorded copy of all events in the past 90 days available on the My Account section of SchaeferSresearch.com. Very excited to roll this out. Dial 1-800-448-2080 to sign up. That's 1-800-448-2080. Welcome back to Schaefer's Market Mashup. Thanks to everybody that checked out last week's episode featuring our senior market strategist, Chris Pribel. I've got another fun one for you today, Thursday, January 27th, especially considering the investing landscape we find ourselves in in 2022. Please welcome Matt Moran, who is head of Index Insights at SIBO's Options Institute. Matt, how's it going? Great, Patrick. Thanks for this opportunity. And I also have Joe Cusick, Vice President and Portfolio Specialist at Calamos Investments. Joe, how are we? I'm great, Patrick. Thanks. Good to be on with you. So today we're going to have a roundtable about the various uses of options. There's a ton to get into, but since you guys are first-time newbies on this pod, let's have each of you give a quick introduction of yourself and your careers. Um, Matt, you can go first and then Joe. Sure. Thank you, Patrick. Well, as was mentioned, I'm head of Index Insights at SIBO. And over the years, I've worked quite a bit on topics such as consultant studies of options. 20 years ago, a lot of people said, hey, we need more consultants to get on board here. So I work closely with the consultants to get more studies to show that options actually certainly can add value, improve risk-adjusted returns. Also, I work quite a bit on benchmark indexes, such as the buy-right index and the put-right index. For example, Again, 20 years ago, a lot of people thought, oh, selling puts, that's risky. That can blow up. But we came out with a PUT index, put right index, and that certainly has helped um, help grow interest in strategies such as cash-secured put rights, which actually oftentimes have less volatility than the comparable stock index. Back to you, Patrick. All right, Joe, what about you? Hey, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, we've been in the industry for 27 years, started uh, on the trading floors of Chicago at the Board of Trade and CME and CBOE, uh, where I spent most of my time as a market maker. Uh, left, was in the retail business, helped start Options Express, which uh, over time uh, got uh, absorbed and bought by Charles Schwab. Worked at Schwab on the retail side as well and the options, just really wanting to uh, democratize uh, finance as far as options, but that was a little bit of an overused word back then and phrase. Um, left Schwab and actually went into the RIA side of the business where uh, I have been uh, at Calamos now for the last three years working on the portfolio management team of the Calamos hedged equity um, uh, strategy that uses an actively managed overlay strategy using SPX options, uh, looking to hedge and capture uh, upside on the uh, S&P 500. So I've been doing that for the last three years um, and it's been a great, great ride so far. 
you know, I'm going on five years at Schaefer's in this April. And just when I think I'm starting to become a grizzled veteran, uh, I have guys like you come on, you know, who are just who have had years of experience. So it's I'm, I'm thrilled to pick your brain, both of you. Um, SIBO has done a webinar for their Options Institute education arm uh, on the topic of accelerating growth in 40 Act funds is use, use of options. So I want to start from the very top uh, for anyone that might not be familiar. Uh, and Matt, you can take this. What are 40 Act funds? Sure. 40 Act funds, that's the topic we're going to cover today. 40 Act funds are SEC regulated funds governed by the U.S. Investment, Investment Company Act of 1940. And 40-act funds, that terms includes mutual funds, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and closed-end funds. So they're all SEC-regulated. Um, and you might say, well, why are we covering that? Well, over the years, Patrick, I've gone out and delivered pres- over 200 presentations to RIAs at places like CFA uh, conferences. And one of the main questions I get is, after I explain buy rights, put rights, collars, et cetera, the main questions I get is, well, that's interesting to do options directly, but I'm very interested in trying to get exposure through a fund, through a buy and hold fund where I don't have to be managing options positions day and night. And so there's a lot of interest in fund use of options. You know, I think there are a lot of reasons for growth, especially in the past two years. Um, Joe, do you want to expand on how you see this, especially when it comes to mutual funds and ETFs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Calmos being one of the largest 40 act funds out there, um, we have um, over $19 billion utilizing overlay strategies in a variety of different funds um, and 44 billion plus that use options as well. The growth really has come uh, for two reasons. One is, is that um, the governance around options and the utilization by pension funds and um, mutual funds like ourselves, the technology enhancements, the governance has increased, the education has increased. Um, when I was at Options Express, the retail segment was the fastest growing segment in the options business. Now in the last five years, the fastest growing segment is the utilization of options by institutions, uh, pension funds, as I mentioned. And the growth of that's gonna continue because as Matt said, with the continued supervision and regulatory components that come to make sure that we're we're monitoring risk. And that's our biggest thing at, at Calamos is to, to manage the risk around utilizing these great diversification tools. Um, you know, the growth has gone exponential because of the fact that now they're taking what normally would have been more customized um, hedge fund type approaches and they're actually putting them into 40 act funds like ET, like mutual funds, like ETFs. And it's growing where clients don't want to do it for themselves, but they see the merits of, of how they can drive better um, total and risk adjusted returns by utilizing active option strategy management versus using traditional products. So, and, and, and one last thing, the biggest issue right now for money managers and RIAs right now is diversification. Using traditional products now is not driving the diversification that they need. Um, And they're now realizing that using an options-based approach, whether it's through a fund or doing it themselves, is driving, is actually delivering that diversification that they can't find in what we traditionally would use as far as fixed income, corporate credit, uh, high yield, or private equity. 
So, you know, we threw a lot at a listener right now. I, I have a couple of questions, and, and, and Joe, you can go here again. Why are we doing this? You know, why should anyone care, and how do we deal with this market climate we find ourselves in? I'm sure there are a lot of people, as you alluded to, uh, and as volume has indicated, uh, that got into options trading during the pandemic. They joined this massive recovery, and they're still a little detached from reality and context as far as corrections, volatility, uh, in market direction. It's not easy money anymore. The chickens have come home to roost, um, and investors almost have to adapt or die. So how can a retail trader use options to generate income or at least dampen their portfolio volatility and left tail risk? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Patrick. And really, this the speculation of options the, and the attractiveness of the how inexpensive it is has always been a caveat for the product. And that's where people lost. I mean, let's be straightforward. If you can buy a call option for a fraction of the price on an underlying stock and have the opportunity to potentially appreciate in price and and you could make a, a nice windfall. But what people don't do or haven't done until now is, well, what happens if your probability of success is less than 10%? So what people are now looking at the options product because of the efficiency of the the, the product itself, you know, penny wide spreads, great liquidity. Um, now they're looking at it and saying, well, I need to be more strategic and I need to look at it in terms of success. And so um, it, at this juncture, when you look at the options world, and I think the growth has come because of the fact that there are more participants, that the pricing is is very efficient. In other words, bid ask spreads are 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 tight and volume is there on the bid ask. And most importantly, people are going from being speculators to doing things like you were saying, generate income by selling calls against a, a, a security or a portfolio of securities that they have, much like acting like a bond and using that security as a collateral, which a lot of your listeners have 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 learned about. But you're also seeing people when markets get at all time highs, like what we're coming off of right now, and they're actually selling cash secured puts as an opportunity to buy stocks at a lower level. And while they wait, they get paid a premium. So Patrick, now they're starting to adopt these strategies that as a former market maker and a liquidity provider, we were quite often doing, selling more options than we were ever buying. And that's how we made our money, which was basically trying to make that difference between fair value and where we bought and sold options. Well, people are now doing it strategically put in sell discipline with selling calls, and um, buying at discounts by selling puts. It's just a simple example. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love it. It's it's a fascinating environment we find ourselves in uh, as compared to 5, 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Uh, so, Matt, I want to bring it back over to you here. I want you to extrapolate a little bit about benchmark indices uh, you know, for performance of options-based uh, in buffer strategies uh, you know, give me some examples of how that could be profitable for you know, an options trader. Sure. And again, let's tie it into the, the topic here as far as accelerating growth in use of options by the 40 Act funds. Okay. So how have they grown? Well, mutual funds have been using, some mutual funds have been using options since the 1970s. And up through 2001, there were really no benchmarks for performance. And then some of these funds came to me and they said, 
we would like a benchmark index for, you know, we're going out and we're trying to get pension fund business. The pension funds are saying, hey, you know, you're doing an option strategy, you're, you're selling stock index options, but your performance is almost more like bonds than stocks. And we don't know what benchmark to benchmark against. So you need a benchmark index. So the funds came to us and we in turn turned around and we introduced the buy right index, BXM, in the year 2002. Then some RIAs called up and some fund companies called up and and we did more research on that. We had Ibbotson come out with a study on the buy right index that came out in 2004. Then I wanted to 70,000 um, 70, RIAs across the country. So a lot of education occurred around options and the use of the buy right strategy and the BXM index. And sure enough, the biggest closed end fund IPOs ever were around that period of 2004 to 2007 when this paper came out. And so we've seen continued growth as far as fund use of options. Uh, according to studies like a study by Keith Black and Ed Zotto, the number of funds using options, Patrick, grew from 10 funds in the year 2000 to around uh, 280 this past year. So tremendous growth. We're seeing uh, tens of billions of dollars now in options-based funds. Another key development in terms of benchmark indexes and fund use of options is the fact that before 2015, Morningstar didn't even have a category for options. And then some fund managers came to me and said, Matt, can you help us out? We need a category for options. And so I went to Morningstar. I had a two-hour meeting with Morningstar reps. They said, well, thank you very much. But you know, we, it's tough for us to create a category if it's only a dozen funds or so. I said, well, let me come back to you. And so sure enough, in a few months, I came back to them with a study by Keith Black and Ed Zotto that showed the growth and use of funds, funds use of options. And that study, again, showed growth from 10 funds in the year 2000 to 119 around 2015. And so sure enough, Morningstar in April 2016 came out with a new study. Sorry, came out with a new category, um, option writing category of funds. And they used benchmark index. They used the SIBO BXM index as a benchmark index for those funds. And Barron's in May of 2016 said the options industry has taken a major step on the Main Street. Morningstar, I'm quoting her exactly, Morningstar, which millions of investors re rely upon to evaluate mutual funds, has created a category for option trading funds. The significance of this cannot be overstated. It indicates options have become part of the mainstream investment landscape, like growth mutual funds and index funds, close quote. So again, that's from the Barron striking price. More recently, what did, Bar what did Barron's have to say in September 21? September 2021. Well, they said since 2019, fund companies have launched more than 120 ETFs that hold and trade options. Prior to that, only about 20 funds occupied this category. Close quote. So we have two great quotes from Barron's there talking about growth and fund use of options. Also, we have great interest in and great use of these benchmark indexes. Benchmark indexes such as the PUT index, which I mentioned before, which has lower volatility than the S&P 500 and superior risk-adjusted returns is measured by the Sharpe and Sortino ratios. So lots of people are looking at the benchmark indexes. Joe mentioned the fact that he has funds that do active option strategies and SIBO plods both. As far as you look at the pass passive benchmark indexes, also look at the active funds that, that actively trade S&P 500 options and other products. Yeah, wow. First of all, that's a great story of you walking into Morningstar uh, yeah. and then, then essentially saying, come back with proof. And right. you come back with tenfold that. 
one thing that I noticed, and you, know, you mentioned the two Barron's quotes, and you, you have the magazine cover you know, theory of, you know, if you see something on the magazine covers, it means it's already been priced in and, and whatnot. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case with all of this, this volume and, and of what the uses is we're seeing with options. There's, there's no, there's not going to be a peak or a top. And I know this is kind of going off, you know, the, the, the schedule here, but do either of you have some insight into that? Yeah. I mean, the utility right of the option is now being recognized. Meaning last year we saw the notional volume of options actually eclipse the notional volume of stock. So in other words, institutions, retail, and so forth, they've realized that they can use um, strategy approaches that will mimic or mirror what they normally do with buying stock, right? Uh, looking for income like buying from bonds and corporates or a combination of all of those. And then actively managing those and 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 more importantly, looking at the risk involved and making sure that, you know, things like trading within the parameters of size limitations, right? Never exceed what you can cover. Um, these are components of the market that have attracted so many new participants and will continue to attract because we're only scratching the surface. This is only US, right? Wait until this actually starts to expand even more with the advancements of technologies and regulatory components into um, a, a global type of phenomena. So I think this is really where the market is going towards. I have for the last 20 years. And, you know, unlike a story like on a Barron's where it's more of a fad, this is a product. This is, this is a utility um, that everyone's going to need within their, their uh, trading box. Very well said. Matt, you got anything to add to that? Yes. Patrick, I think your question was kind of getting in a little bit into capacity. And capacity comes up a lot as far as, well, can options handle this new interest and new volume? I would say this, that if you look at the capacity handled by, for example, the S&P 500 options traded at Seaball, well, you could look at the notional value that's traded there. And the notional value is, uh, is roughly more than $500 billion per day. So we're talking about huge notional capacity. So if a big investor wants to move half a billion in notional value, it's kind of like, well, the S&P 500 contract handles over 500 billion per day. So that's tremendous capacity there. I would also would like to add something as far as you asked, well, why are people uh, getting more involved in options? And I know Joe had some excellent answers there too, but let me take a crack at that too. In that, for example, what you've, you've been dealing with here is the fact that, well, options and bonds, yes, they've had some good decades in the past. They've gone up and, and uh, you know, like stocks have hit record levels. But what you're really dealing with a problem situation as far as you aren't investing in the past. What you've got to do is invest in the future. And what are we talking about here right now? Well, you do have some problems as far as, for example, stocks. A lot of the experts say stocks are pretty richly valued. The price earnings ratios are at the high, some of the highest levels we've seen over the past century. As a matter of fact, you could say that at the second highest level ever, uh, except for 1999. So stocks are richly priced. Bonds, on the other hand, though, they, they've, they've uh, done well in terms of interest rates have come down. But can interest rates come down any further? And what about the actual interest rate you're earning on those bonds? So there are really some real challenges for, for stocks and bonds. I think Joe mentioned 
you know, can they be good diversification tools? It's kind of, well, maybe not. So anyway, people are looking more and more towards options. And when you talk about income generated, for example, if you look at the PUT or BXM indexes, those have been generating about 1.8%, not per year, per month. That's the gross premium that's generated by those indexes. So people are yield hungry. They're looking at CDs. They're looking at bonds. Uh, not so good. But if you're looking at option strategies, this consistent selling of options, PXM and PUT do it 12 times a year. The WPUT, we also also have a weekly quit right index that does it 52 times a year. That's generating even more premium. And there is more interest in the short dated options. There's more interest in using weekly options. Do your homework there. But definitely, there is more interest in options right now. We're seeing that with direct use of options. And we're also seeing it as far as use of the um, options funds that use buy right, put right, or the target outcome strategies. I like that you mentioned uh, you know, how the stock valuations are getting a little too rich for some people's blood right now. I think that's that's a reality that, that a lot of people are having to come to grips now, especially as we enter a new year and a whole, whole bunch of other macro level changes. Um, so to wrap up here, I'm going to let you each have the floor. Uh, Joe, you can go first and then Matt can bring us home. Uh, just to kind of your closing thoughts, uh, anything you'd like to plug over at Calamos or at SIBO, put yourself in a time machine 20, 20 years ago. Could you have seen yourselves, you know, seen this environment, this options environment of where it is now? I just, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, like, could you have even imagined this? Well, to answer your last question, yes, because when I left the floor of the CBOE, that's when single list came along. That's where uh, firms like Options Express were coming up and we saw the opportunities that were seemed to be limitless and continue to uh, surprise us. So in that respect, yeah, I really believe that the uh, the options business was poised to be the the fastest growing business and continues to be the fastest growing business. As far as just any takeaways, I think at this juncture, to spend a little time educating yourself on what calls and puts can do for a portfolio is invaluable, just if it's even scratching the surface. And definitely look to incorporate those approaches into your investment thesis and execution. Um, because you will find that you will generate better total and risk-adjusted returns using these products versus some other products that are going to have their challenges in the environment that we're in. Um, just take that opportunity and work with a trusted advisor uh, if you're not, um, you know, don't have the time or the capacity. Work with a trusted advisor that has that knowledge and can explain that to you in such a way that you feel comfortable that it's gonna meet your risk tolerances and your objectives. So that's basically my parting words. And, and I wanna thank Matt and Sibo for their continued work on the benchmark indices and, and all their work too on, on enhancements to the products. I think it's only gonna help this industry grow even more. Yeah, bravo, Joe, very well said. Matt, bring us home. Great. Well, thank you, Patrick and Joe, for your excellent comments there. And I would say, Patrick, you asked about 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago was an interesting time for me anyway, in that, again, we had feedback from some of the fund managers at the time who said, hey, we're never going to go mainstream unless and until we get benchmark indexes to show, com show comparisons to the traditional indexes. 
And then also, we're never going to mainstream unless and until we get some studies out there that prove the benefits of options. And so I'm very pleased to say that uh, we've we've done, there's been great work done on both fronts in, in terms of now SIBO has dozens of benchmark indexes that measure the performance of option strategies based on the VIX. For instance, the VIX tail hedge index, VXTH, has gone up more than 100%. Uh, during the pandemic. So tremendous performance there. So that's very interesting. Then also you have benchmark indexes based on S&P 500 options, Russell options, MSCI options. So you have lots of different benchmark indexes out there doing a variety of different strategies, including the selling of options and the buying of options. So with the benchmark indexes, we also have uh, a number of studies by major expert firms out there. Again, I was told 20 years ago, I was told, hey, you know, we don't have the consultants on board. Well, now I'd say we, we have certainly made some great progress there in terms of we do have papers now by, by Fund Evaluation Group, Wilshire, Ibbotson, Callan Associates, and other firms who've, who've done a great job as far as looking at option strategies in general, oftentimes looking at the underlying benchmark indexes and showing that options can add value. One of the problems we had in the past is, again, people... Oftentimes I thought, oh, options, I can't use those. Those are crazy, risky strategies. And it's true. They are powerful strategies, but if used properly, they can add value. And I would say this, I think there's tremendous potential over the next five years with these overpriced traditional investments that options really have tremendous potential to add great value for investors. So I'd say check out the resources that we have. The uh, initiative at SIBO that I'm very involved in uh, is the, are there are webinars as was mentioned? Well, we just had a webinar. We just had a webinar featuring some real experts, including Joe, on use of options by funds. But we have these webinars multiple times a week. I'm uh, sorry, a month. And so I would say this: please check out our SIBO webinars. Please check out these research papers. Um, and also, I would say another resource is go to the Morningstar website and see what's going on there. As far as Morningstar has plenty of categories for alternatives. We'll some of the alternatives involve use of options. And I'll put all those links on the uh, the the episodes bio and, and on our social because, like you said, it, it, you know it's it's an amazing environment we found ourselves in. And I agree, you know, th- there is a stigma there when you see options, you think, oh, it's tricky and scary. And I couldn't thank both of you guys for helping you know, cut through that fog and understand this you know, huge part of you know the Wall Street ecosystem that's you know it has become. So, Matt Moran, thank you again. Joe Cusick, Calamos Trading. Matt, thank you. I almost ended the episode when I saw your White Sox hat, but <laughs> I'm glad I, glad I persevered. Uh, okay. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on, and, and we'll, we'll chat soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you.